Hey everyone, this is Justin, and I am so terrible and I feel so bad for pushing these podcasts so late. I'll be better, I want to be better. Well, in this week's episode, Pastor Anthony shares about how we can love and how we can love each other. And he also opens up about his relationship with his family. So join me as we listen to Pastor Anthony. Well, good morning, Hug family. I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope you're staying cool because where I'm at, it is getting pretty hot. I have to sleep with a fan on. And oh, I hope you have a fan or AC at your house. Well, for me, one thing I'm really looking forward to this summer is riding my motorcycle. That's right. I have a motorcycle. I picked it up this past week from the mechanic and I was excited. I got there and I just saw my bike and I was like, yes, I finally have my motorcycle. I put on my jacket, my gloves, I put my helmet on and I was like, oh my goodness, it is the greatest feeling alive. You feel the engine, you feel the wind, and I have my Disney playlist on, you know, the the music from Cars, Life is a Highway, it's playing in my helmet, and I am just cruising along, and I am just so excited that I get to ride my motorcycle. Well, all of a sudden, when I was going home, I just hear a click, 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 and then my engine dies, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and I don't know about you guys, but when a motorcycle engine dies, you know, it doesn't like cruise on for a long time. It kind of like stops pretty quickly. And I was just in traffic just thinking like, oh my goodness, I hope no one hits me. And I got off and I had to push my bike off to the side, making sure that no one hits me. And I called the mechanic and I was like, hey, you know, I just left that place. And guess what? My bike just died. And on the phone, he was saying like, are you sure? You know, we did the checks and your bike looked good. And I was like, I seriously disagree with you right now. My bike is dead. I'm stuck in the middle of the street. Like, I need help. And in my head, I'm just thinking, are you serious? Can you really just tell me, like, are you really just telling me right now that, are you sure, you know? And I was just so mad. And I, was, and I had to push my bike off the street, off to the side of the road, and I have Hakuna Matata playing in my helmet as I push this. Oh. But as I was pushing my motorcycle, I can actually hear my mom's voice in my head as I'm pushing it because my mom, she didn't really want me to have a motorcycle. I remember when I bought my first bike, she said, Anthony, I don't think I want you to ride a motorcycle. Mm, You know what? If you buy this motorcycle, I'm going to disown you. And, you know, she was sharing her opinion with me. And as she was sharing it, I just looked at her like, Mom, thank you for sharing, but I'm going to buy it anyways. And when I told her that, she's like, oh, she scoffed. And she's like, fine, do whatever you want. Oh, and you know what? My mom and my relationship, we're good. We're fantastic. Don't worry. Our family ties didn't break because of my motorcycle. You know, she didn't disown me as a son. But, you know, sometimes we do have disagreements with our family, you know, with our friends. You know, sometimes we can get so passionate, so heated, so emotional about something, and we can have these disagreements. And right now, you know, in our country, we are finding so many things that the country is divided in. We have brothers and sisters who are hurting. And you know what? We're going to make a stand, and, and, and people are making stands. 
And we're making a stand that we're saying black lives matter. Racism is a sin. And we need to act and move now. But as we have these thoughts and as we have these stances, maybe our friends, our family, you know, they disagree with it. You know, maybe they're thinking, well, what about all lives matter? Maybe they're thinking, well, racism isn't that bad. You know, that's just normal. Or maybe they're even saying, you know what, systematic racism, you know, it really doesn't exist. And we're in this place right now that we want to talk to our friends and we want to talk to our family about these issues. And as we talk about these issues and as we bring it up, you know, maybe we're finding that these issues, that these topics are bringing tension so high in the room. And we're wondering that if we just don't talk about it, maybe that'll be better. But as we bring up these topics and as we talk about these issues, maybe we're finding that our friends, our family, they have a total different view from us. And we're wondering, how? What do I do? And maybe you're thinking, wow, how could you think like that? Why would you think like that? And maybe you're wondering, like, maybe my respect for you just is going down. Maybe I, I can't be friends with you. Or maybe even with your family. I mean, you can't disown them. But you're wondering, maybe I just don't talk about them. Maybe I just bury it so that we don't have to talk about it. And there is so much going on around us right now. We're being more vocal. We're talking about this more in our circle of friends. And we're seeing that our position, people may agree, people may disagree. Maybe our friends and family, they're even just being silent. And in this time, especially in a time where we just want to know what people are thinking, how to move forward in this, we're wondering, how can I hear their thoughts? And I want us to ask this question, is what does it look like to love friends and family we disagree with? And today we get to read about Jesus and about how he interacted with people whom he disagreed with. And we read in John 8 about when Jesus is teaching and then the Pharisees and teachers of the law came and brought this adulterous woman. And we read in John 8, it says this, At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? You know, when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law brought this woman to Jesus, they tried to discredit Jesus with one full swing. You know, on one hand, if he said, you know what, all right, the law of Moses said to kill her, let's kill her, then he would be going against the message that he's been preaching about forgiveness, about restoration. But on the other hand, if he said, you know what, forgiveness, it's a, you know, we want to make sure that we can restore her, then he'll be going against the law of Moses. I mean, the law of Moses was the moral code in that time period. And if he went against the moral code of Moses, 
People would see him as a fraud. He would be a defectant. And everything that when all his followers, all the people that was advocating for him, they would leave him. And the Pharisees and the lawyers, they would easily claim him and try and put him in trial. And no matter what Jesus can choose, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they made the situation like it's a lose-lose situation. You know, the situation that Jesus was in, it kind of reminded me of an episode of Friends with Joey and Rachel. You know, Rachel was actually going to move, and Joey's like, you know what, let's play heads and tails. You know, if I win, then you don't move. And Rachel will be like, you know what, Joey, I don't want to risk this, but okay. All right, you know the rules, okay, Joey? You know, heads I win, tails you lose. You know, flips the coin, heads I win, and Joey would be like, dang it! He's like, ugh! You know, 57 tosses. Man, what are the odds? That's what the Pharisees and the lawyers thought. We got him. No matter what he chooses, it doesn't matter because we're going to snag him and we're going to make sure that this guy that, that's, that's ruining the status quo, we're going to destroy him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus is like, you know what? I adhere to the law of Moses. But he added one more thing that made the entire crowd silent. And he said, the one who hasn't sinned, please, you throw the first stone. And what Jesus was doing is he was destroying this double standard that people like to make. That this double standard that, you know what, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not bad like that, you know. And sometimes when we try to deal with situations, we kind of deal with situations like that. You know, like in a group of people, I like to call it the runaway from a bear. And you're wondering, what, Anthony, if you're in a group of people, like you can't outrun a bear. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I just have to outrun all those other people. Because that's kind of how we are sometimes. We create this double standard that if I'm not the worst person, if I'm not last, then it's okay. And we create this situation where we want to shame. But what Jesus did, Jesus didn't shame her. He walked up to her. And we read what he does. And verse 10, it says this, And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus walked up to her, and he chose not to shame her. He chose to walk up to her. Because the Pharisees and the lawyers, they wanted to shame her. The law, the law wanted to kill her. Jesus, Jesus saw her, even though he may have disagreed with what the adulteress did, though he may have disagreed with her lifestyle. 
And he chose to walk up to her and not shame her. Because sometimes when we're in shame, that is the loneliest place where we can be. But Jesus just doesn't stop there. And we see this in the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And we read in Luke chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a very, everyone knew that he was a very successful man. But also, everyone knew that he was a despicable man as well. He was rich. And as tax collectors, he would cheat a lot of people. And a lot of people despised him. And this man, this, this, this successful man, began to climb this tree. And, you know, you could just imagine this rich man, probably he was wearing, like, in modern day, like a $10,000 suit. Or maybe he was wearing, like, like super, like, awesome shoes, like Jordan Off-Whites, or I don't know. It doesn't matter what he was wearing. But he wanted to see this man named Jesus. And we read more in verse 5. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come down quick. I must be a guest in your home today. Jesus saw Zacchaeus and he walked towards him. And he says, you know what, Zacchaeus, I need to be with you. Let me live life with you. Let me come to your house. And when Zacchaeus saw this and heard this, of course he was excited. But the crowd of the people, they started to shame you know, and talk bad about Jesus. Like, Jesus, do you not know who this man is? Do you know what he did to people? Do you know what he's, what he's done to, to, to all of us? He, he lied, he cheated, he stole. And you want to be with him? Probably when Jesus entered town, everyone told him, like, yes, yeah, stay away from that guy. But Jesus still chose to walk towards him, to be with him. And we read more in verse 6. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. When Jesus chose to walk towards Zacchaeus, it impacted his heart. When Jesus chose to walk with Zacchaeus, it changed his life. From that moment forward, when Jesus came and decided to walk towards him, 
to walk with him. His life, his household, everything around him changed because Jesus chose to walk with him. He chose not to shame him, but chose to walk to him and with him. You know, and right now, we may just be wondering, how in the world can I walk with people? Especially with so much tension happening right now in our country. And we're taking our stand with Black Lives Matter. Racism is a sin. And that we need to act and engage now. And when we talk with our friends and our family, and we're finding that there's so much tension, and we're finding that they may even disagree with what we're saying. How can I love them? How can I love my friends and family who I disagree with? And the way we love them is the way Jesus, we don't shame them. We walk towards and with them. How can we love our friends and family we disagree with? We love them like Jesus did. We don't shame them, and we walk towards and with them. And I get it. Sometimes we fight. Sometimes we disagree. It's the heat, the passion, you name it. I fight with my friends. I fight with my family. How can I love them? You know, I don't know about you, but I fight a lot with my family members. You know, growing up, I fought with my sister a lot. Because when we grew up, you know, it was kind of like this unspoken rule that, you know, I do my thing and you do your thing. And we would just not be part of each other's lives. And the, probably the only time we did interact was when we fought over something. But when my sister went to college, she had this new experience with God and experiencing God's love. You know, and since God loved her, she decided, you know what? I'm going to love my family more. I'm going to love my brother more. And so she decided to love us more. And what that meant was she's going to contact us. And she's going to ask us how we are. And I remember she would call me or, or text me and says, Hey, Anthony, how are you? Or, Hey, Anthony, how are you doing? Tell me what's going on with your life. And I would, I would remember, I would kind of be like, Oh, uh, okay. I, I wouldn't know how to react. I'd be like, uh, good. And I would just give like these one word remarks or a, a really short answer. And she would continue to reach out. And continue to care. Anthony, how are you? How are you doing? You know, what's going on? What's new? And I would continually give her short answers. I would continually even sometimes ignore her and not send her a text message back. Because for her, she wanted to get closer and love the family. But for me, I disagreed. I was like, why? You know, we were never like that. Like, stop trying to be close with me. I disagreed with her. And there was a moment when my sister and I, we actually had this heart to heart. And she came and she talked to me. And she's like, Anthony, you know, you know I love you. And I want you to know 
that I want to be your sister. And I get it. Maybe right now, you don't want to be my brother. And maybe you just want to just be apart from me. But I want you to know that I still want to be your sister. And when she shared that, my heart just dropped. How could I be so selfish? How could I be so insensitive? When she's trying to reach out to me, I kept pushing her away because I didn't want it. And I was just touched by how much care and love she continued to pour out that she continued to walk towards me, to reach out and to love me, that she continued to walk with me in wherever, in whatever journey I was in. She continued to walk towards me and walk with me. And you know what, honestly? I, I, I honestly think that if it wasn't for my sister, I probably wouldn't be a Christian today. I wouldn't even be a pastor today. If it wasn't for my sister, maybe I would never have seen God. But also, if it wasn't for my sister, our family, you know, we wouldn't be as close as we are now. It was because my sister took steps towards us walked with us, walked with our family, <laughs> we have a closer family, a tight-knit family now. And some of you guys may not know this. You know, honestly, I would never have imagined that my sister and her fiancé would attend the church that I'm being a pastor of. But if you guys don't know, actually, my sister watches Hug Online every week, and she's actually in our Zoom call right now, too. And it's because she continues to take steps towards family and walks with us wherever we are. And I get it. There are times and we're wondering, why would I bring this up? Why would I bring up tension? Why would I start a conversation that I know that's going to bring a fight? Or why would I start a conversation that's going to make the entire room feel thick because of the tension is so high? It's because shame doesn't bring us closer together. Jesus knew that shame is not going to bring new life for this woman. Jesus knew that shame is not going to bring Zacchaeus into to, to a new life. Jesus knew that if he did not shame and chose to walk to them, walk with them, their lives would be changed. And there's a saying here at Hug that I love so much, is that we know that hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. How can we love our friends and family we disagree with? We don't shame them. 
but we choose to walk towards them and with them. And maybe right now in this time, with all this tension going around in this country, maybe right now is an opportunity for you to reach out to your friends, to your family, to your brothers, sisters, maybe your spouse, your significant other. And you can ask how they're doing in this time. You can ask how they're feeling and choose to walk with them in this journey. Maybe right now, even in our county, wherever we are, maybe this is a moment that God is encouraging you to take a stand for your city and to walk with your city, not to shame people, but to walk towards them and to walk with them and journey through this life of change. You know, as a church, this is an important time. This is a time that we must not stay, we must not remain silent, but we must stand for justice. And the way that we're going to stand for justice is that we're not going to shame, but walk to and walk with everyone. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just pray for our nation right now. God, there is so much emotions. There's so much tension. God, there's just so much that, Lord, we are just, how can we say, we don't even know what to say. And, Lord, we want to take stands for justice, for love. And, Lord, we want to make movements towards you. And, Father, right now, we just lift up our nation. God, for everyone who is here, God, our brothers and sisters who are hurting, God, we just pray and we lift them up. God, may your hand be on them. God, may you wrap your blanket of peace around them. Father, I pray as we continue to take a stand for you, for our brothers and sisters, God, may you give us courage. May you give us strength. For, Lord, we know that this is a battle that we are continually facing. And, that, Lord, that we want to conquer all with your love, the love that transforms lives. So, Father, I pray as we continue to walk down this road of creating our future, God, we pray, may we not shame and may we walk towards and with people on their journey so we can see lives changed for the better. Father, may you fill us up. May you send us out. In your son's name we pray.